it's Brandi Taylor. Welcome to the Business Beauty Network Podcast, where business meets beauty. It's not just lipstick, it's business. We will share thought-provoking conversations with business and beauty professionals. Our goal is to empower, motivate, and inspire you to take your business to the next level. Welcome to the podcast. It's a new day, a new week, and a new episode of the Business Beauty Network podcast. Welcome, welcome. I am super, super excited to share today's episode with you. Make sure that you are subscribed to the Business Beauty Network podcast wherever you're listening. And don't forget to share it. If you know someone who could benefit from this awesome content, make sure that you share it. Sharing is caring. Did you know that we are on YouTube? Check out our YouTube channel at Biz Beauty Network. You can check out some of our interviews live there, unedited and unscripted right on YouTube. So make sure you subscribe there as well. But now that all of that is out of the way, I am super, super excited to share today's episode with you. I have my chai tea. The fall is officially here. This is one of my favorite seasons because I love jackets and booties and all those great things. I love fall fashion. So everything fall, the pumpkin spice, the chai, all of that thing, all of that great stuff in the fall, the cooler weather, but not too cold, right? Not too hot, not too cold. I just love the fall. But I'm super, super excited to share today's episode with you. Got my tea ready. And we're going to be talking all about marketing and branding, which you know, that's one of my favorite topics. And I'm super excited. If you were in the Texas area next month in October, I will be speaking at the Spa and Sculpting Summit. I'm going to leave a link to get tickets. But if you're in the beauty industry or you're an esthetician or a spa expert, you definitely want to check out this summit that's going to take place in Houston, Texas on the 21st through the 23rd, the Spot and Sculpting um, Summit. I am one of the speakers. I'm going to be talking about marketing. I will leave all of the information in the show notes, but I'm super, super excited about that. That is coming up next month really quickly. So I will be flying out to Texas and I'm going to do some live interviews while I'm there. I'm super excited about that. And I'm going to share the journey as well on YouTube. So make sure that you are subscribed there. But I can't wait um, to speak about marketing and I'm going to share a lot more content related to that. I have done a few interviews that gave some great information about marketing for your business and it's a new season. The holidays are coming up. This is a great time to tap into marketing your business correctly, getting more clients. And if you are struggling with any of those things or just need to learn how to effectively market your brand, make sure that you stay tuned to the podcast because we're going to be sharing a lot of content about that. But today's episode is uh, super exciting for me. I had a great conversation with Orshi Herbine. She's a brand strategist and she owns Brand3. And I really enjoyed some of the strategies that she gave about branding and marketing her insights. We had a great conversation. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. Here is a little bit of Orshi's bio. Orshi didn't wait long before revealing her passion for art and creativity. At the tender age of three, she won an international drawing competition in Eastern Europe. Once the time came for Orshi to pick a career path, graphic design seemed a natural fit. Orshi has a BA in graphic design from the England School of Art and Design in Boston. 
After graduating, Orshi began her professional design career while continuing to serve various clients as a freelance designer. In 2016, Orshi partnered with Matt Christ to run and grow a virtual branding and marketing agency called Brand3 Inc. Together, they have mobilized effective brands for a diverse range of privately held businesses and organizations. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview and here it goes. Hey, hey, welcome to the podcast. It's your host, Brandy Taylor. We have an awesome guest today, Orshi Herbine. Welcome, Orshi. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to have you on today. So before we learn about your expertise and all the things you're doing with your business, tell us something about yourself that most people would not know. Okay. I've had this question asked before, and I usually go with, I'm a lap swimmer. <laughs> I love swimming laps uh, as an exercise, and it, to the point where one of my favorite looks is me with the, you know, like those elastic hats and the goggles, and um, I don't know, I, I, I just feel like, you know, that's not a kind of exercise that a lot of people do, um, but, you know, doing all four strokes and just going to the pool and swimming laps is one of my favorite things to relax, really, because it's very meditative, so. Oh, awesome, so you're a swimmer, so have you ever, have you ever done it professionally at all? No, not, not really, uh, except in elementary school, I was in a swimming comp competitive school, but I wasn't very good, and uh, even just, uh, now I, I rediscovered swimming because I hated it then when I had to go, you know, but uh, so never really professionally. It's more of a, a, a mind thing for me. I get a lot more um, out of it mentally than physically. Hmm. That's something I don't hear often, but I learned how to swim late in life because I had a daughter. So my daughter, I took her to get swimming lessons. I think when she was like maybe... 11 or 12 she wanted to learn how to swim so I put her in a program and I learned myself as well but haven't really been swimming much <laughs> but that was something that I wanted to learn how to do but I, I didn't think of it as being something like uh soothing and therapeutic for people but that's interesting you know why it's because it's one of those sports that you can't you know you're not staring at a screen you know, I know that there's devices, but you're not listening to music. My head is under the water because I'm breathing and I'm really more focused on counting my breath than ever. Right. And it's just counting laps, counting your breath, you know, like looking at stuff on the bottom of the pool. It's just very, you know, you're not distracted. You're like, really, I find it one of those activities when I can be hundred percent in the moment, you know? Awesome. Awesome, Orishi. Well, thanks for sharing that. Sure. So let's talk about your entrepreneurial journey. I know you're a branding strategist and you specialize in marketing and you work with brands with your company, Brand3. But how did you get into uh, your entrepreneurial journey? Okay. So it started when I was very little. I um, was maybe three years old when I won an international drawing competition. You know, like tiny tot. I think I drew like two rabbits in the grass or something like that. I'm not sure. It was back in Hungary where I grew up. And um, 
I always loved drawing, always, always loved drawing. And as I have grown up, I always loved art. I was always very creative, but I also wasn't a Picasso, you know what I mean? That with some secret talents of like doing extraordinary stuff, you know, just, I, I just enjoyed being creative. So when it came time to uh, pick a career, graphic design was really, really well suited for me because I get to be creative, but I, um, I don't um, necessarily have to be a Picasso or an exceptional talent to do something extraordinary. You know, the, the fine art industry, it's so hard to make it in the fine art industry and stand out. So, you know, it's just, um, I apologize about my phone. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that graphic design kind of uh, fulfilled for me, the need to be creative. Um, and then uh, later down the road, I, um, I, 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 I almost like lost any ability to do fine art. You know why? Because graphic design puts you in a box and I really enjoy those parameters. I have to be creative within this color palette or within this industry or to make a customer like what I've done, you know, whatever these, uh, uh, these objectives uh, that are, are surrounding this industry, you know, it puts a box around creativity and, and, I, and I thrive on that challenge. You know, fine art to me was like, I would never be done with anything because I don't know when the end is, you know, mm -hmm. is the end when I like it, is the end when someone else likes it, et cetera, et cetera. Like, you know, I need the box and I think graphic design um, gives that to me and it turned me into a visual problem solver. And that's how um, uh, meeting my current business partner who was into the branding world and I was his go-to graphic designer uh, eventually uh, put me down the path on on branding and I love 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 it because it is constantly um, figuring out how visuals can be functional and and serve a purpose yet be aesthetically pleasing and beautiful and incredibly creative and and still fulfill their function so I love this path of boxes um and creativity within those uh, boundaries awesome you you just never know where this journey called life will lead you right so so that being a designer led you into graphic design which then led you into the whole branding and all of those things so fast forward now um with your company now let's talk about some of the things that you offer for your clients Okay, so um, always loved branding, right? But branding is a very misunderstood uh, concept. You know, you ask 10 people to tell you what branding is and they'll give you 10 different answers usually. Um, and uh, our company, Brand3, used to be Brand3, Brands That Deliver. Um, and it took a while and a lot of interactions with clients and customers for us to realize that branding is not what they want, okay? They want marketing. And they, when, when I approach them with something that says, let me brand you, they don't want it. 
but I approach them with something, let me re help you rethink marketing or let, uh, let me help you market better, they're very interested and intrigued. Now, what they don't realize is that I'm still selling branding to them because the right way to market and the, re uh, the whole rethink marketing piece that we uh, approach our customers with relies on building a really strong brand foundation that engages the audience that you're after. A lot of small businesses make the mistake of going straight to marketing and ignore their brand entirely, or they think they have a brand or they, you know, the fact that they have a website or the fact that they have a logo is all that they need to get done on the branding level. They go through tons of money in different silos of marketing. And those silos don't even communicate with each other. Like I have my social media guy here. I have my SEO guy there. I have my web girl here. I have my graphic designer nephew. And, you know, everybody's doing their own thing. And in, uh, in turn, you put out a very diluted message, a very diluted brand that customers don't trust. Why don't they trust it? Because we learn from big national brands that an impeccable consistency and clarity of message and image is what helps somebody perceive your company as trustworthy. You could have the best product, the best services. If for a prospect, when you put a marketing material in front of them, that's not evident or that's not uh, you know, coming across to them on how you're going to take them from A to B and change their lives from where they are to a better with whatever you provide, then they are going to go and ignore it. And therefore, there are, there's an incredible amount of marketing waste that's happening on the small business side, because people just go market, 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 and there's no traction. There's no return. There's a bunch of unqualified leads and you're wasting time and you're wasting money. And that's what I do at Brand3 to educate small businesses and then help them transform their brands from noise to clarity so they can engage the right audience, engage and retain the right audience. So thanks for sharing that because I know exactly what you mean. It's very important to build a brand first because I always say like, if you know, if you don't have a brand first, then what are you marketing? <laughs> You know, like, what is your brand mission? What's the goal of your brand? The voice of the brand, all of that. And I think sometimes people get stuck. And so I can see you, I can see why they would think that they don't need the brand because they think, oh, well, I have a brand. I have a, a website or whatever. And I have a logo, but it's more than a website and a logo. Mm -hmm. So I want you to really share like really, uh, how to develop your brand. Can you give us some tips on how to really develop your brand before you position it for the market? Yeah, absolutely. And the number one step, always, 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 is to define your ideal customer. We all have all kinds of customers. And I guarantee you that your listeners right now, or even yourselves have, you can think of 10, 25 customers, but one or two of them are just really great. Why? You know, why are those customers so great? Because they get it or they pay on time or they are just the right, you know, uh, type of company or they just have the right type of personality or mindset or age or, you know, their circumstances are the right thing. So defining your ideal customer will help you position your brand 
to craft a message for them. So, you know, I understand that, you know, even what you said that, you know, you want to define your brand, your brand's voice first, but what that voice is and what you, what way you position yourself really has to be tailored to fit the needs and desires of your audience, okay? A lot of small businesses make a mistake and start talking about themselves. Oh, I've been in business for 35 years. I'm family owned. Nobody cares. They care later. But at the first point of engagement, all I care as a potential customer on what's in it for me. And that's the message we need to craft. So first you identify your ideal customer and then you really dive deep into their desires and needs and wants in relation to your product or services. And then you say that as simple, simply as possible. So, you know, as I told you my story of, uh, you know, become, you know from, a, from a little girl who just loved drawing to becoming a brand strategist, now I'm also in uh, the practice, practice of minimal, minimalism is because that one thing a prospect or somebody you put your marking materials in front of will not give you is time. So if you, if your message or your brand takes a while to figure out, you can forget it. They've already went, the phone rang, the kids cried, the whatever. They're not going to sit there and read through your web pages if it doesn't first intrigue them, right? So that first line of message is so important to be clearly communicating the value that you bring to them so that they can be like, wait a minute, I need that. Let me read on. And now you can tell them about that your family owned or whatever, whatever have you or your processes. And, and, you know, again, stay as simple as possible. But if you can get that intriguing message uh, up front and center with a very clear brand, consistent quality brand look and image so that they may check you out. They go see your vehicle, then they go on your website, then they go on your social media, then they read the reviews and they have a consistent uh, message and image that's coming across from them, consistent look and feel, you know, they start building up trust just by checking you out and then they call, right? But if that's not happening across the board, your website is very different from your marketing piece or your social media presence, or now you, you look like this here and you look like that, that I don't trust that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with somebody who might have worse product or worse services, <laughs> but they have a consistent quality brand that is, you know, speaking the same language wherever I look, you know? Yes. I think that is a great idea. Just really simplifying the message, like having something that's going to catch them right off. I think sometimes people struggle with that. Like, how do I have the verbiage to capture my audience, my ideal client? Uh, well, it's about knowing that ideal client, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's really diving deep and even validate it with them. You know, if you already have clients that you would like a hundred of, you know, let's say Susanna is so great. I just want a hundred Susannas to walk into my door tomorrow. Then, you know, craft your message and run it by her. Hey, is this on a high level? What you would say my company does for you, you know, and, and ask them, you know, hey, you were here you're here now. Can you tell me how my product or service have, you know, gotten you to a better, you know, whatever it is, better outcome, better 
uh, process, more peace of mind, whatever that outcome is, tell me how, you know, like what, what in your words, how would you describe the before and the after? And, you know, and then, and, you know, even testimonials have a method to the madness, you know, like, like that's, that's, don't tailor off into the weeds, you know, show me the transformation, because that's really what, as a prospect, I'm looking for when I'm looking to choose a brand to get me from A to B. Okay, I need this. This company says they can get me there. And I see that right away. I didn't have to dig through the weeds and like 900 paragraphs or 500 pages on their website to find it. But it's very clear that that's what they're about. They're about getting people like me to where I want to go. I'm going to give them a call, you know? So that's kind of the, the trick of really knowing that ideal customer, having the conversation with them, ha having um, it, to ask the question on what they value in the relationship or partnership or service or product that you provide to them. And then recrafting that into a message to attract more people like those. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great way, just basically serving your clients. Mm -hmm. So you look at those clients who are your ideal clients. And I know what you mean, like though your favorite client, the ones who pay on time, the ones who show up, the ones you love to work with, those are the ones that you want. So if you don't know who your ideal client is, just start with your favorite clients. Yeah. And, <laughs> and really start surveying them and getting feedback from the clients on um, how their experience was and that can lead for reviews and all that. And that can also help you to modify anything or make any changes if you know if there's something that they give you some feedback on that can use improving so now we know we need to identify our clients we need to speak to them in a simple way so that they know that we can deliver and then present our brand cohesively across everything mm -hmm. so now we have that um have our brand position that how do we market like how do we go to market how do we put ourselves out there so the, the there's a way to do yeah that? there's various ways and it really you know it just depends on what you do and and what your um business offers you know it's different to market something that's a product versus something that's a service you know, it, it also is different, you know, it, it also depends on who your ideal customer is. If your ideal customer is moms, there's a lot of moms out there, you know, you know, and then of course there's ideal moms and then non-ideal moms. And then there's, there's a method to the madness. Okay. So where are the ideal moms hang out? Oh, well, they are on Facebook because they're over 40 or whatever, or they are on TikTok because they are in their twenties, they're young moms or something like that. So so figuring out where that ideal customer hangs out is where I would go, you know? Now there are some businesses that mass marketing doesn't work at all because it's really a tailored organic build of highly niche audiences. You know, like for example, it, it happens a lot in the B2B world when you serve other businesses where you need to get in front of business owners. Then you can mass market all you want, you're wasting your money because, you know, you spend thousands of dollars a month on SEO, but your uh, keywords are not being searched by those ideal customers because they are word of mouth or they, 
they they are somebody you meet on a um, in a you know networking event. So that's where then you put your money, where those guys hang out, right? So spend in just because SEO is a trend, just because TikTok is a trend, just because Twitter is a trend, it doesn't mean that you have to be on all of these platforms if it doesn't make sense in terms of who you're after. Okay, that's very very important. That's another way business owners are wasting a tremendous amount of marketing uh, money because they're going to the wrong places. You know, they think they need to be on all these social media platforms, but you don't. You need to be where your ideal customers hang out. And, uh, and you know, sometimes that's really, you're not even spending on marketing because your marketing is just spent into, uh, you know, joining networking groups, attending, uh, you know, um, meetings or or uh, calls because that's where those business owners or or potential clients are and you know back to your ideal customer it is really important that you um, um, you understand what's ideal about them right so you you um, you know maybe in your mind it's ideal to have a customer who has more money Maybe they're wealthy customers, right? And they can spend more on what you have. But maybe they are a pain in the butt to work with. And your ideal and favorite customer is actually the middle guy, you know, that doesn't have that much money. It will buy less, but they are loyal. They'll come back or get your name out there. They're so easy to serve. And, you know, you're looking at it. Okay, my big customer that is a pain in the butt, I'm barely even profitable on that client. Because, because, you know, I have to do hula hoops and, and all this stuff mm -hmm. to like please that customer versus these little guys, I can do all day churn and burn, get hundreds of them and have a lot bigger margin. So that's my ideal customer. So don't let the money fool you of like, you know, oh, I need to get more of the richer customers because that sometimes is actually the opposite of where your strategy should go. You know, maybe your strategy is that I just need to say mid, mid, small level, because it's so easy for me to make a difference for those guys, you know, versus these giant corporations that have a lot more needs or blah, 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 or the, the wealthy person who is just a lot more pickier and then throw it back 500 times before they are actually satisfied versus these guys are just like, you know, they just love my product, period you know, and, and are happy with it. And I just need a lot more of those because that's how I'm going to grow my business through the mid-size or smaller customers, not having five big ones, but like a hundred small ones. You know what I mean? So it no, really, really Marcia, that. because that's not what you hear commonly, right? Mm -hmm. So commonly it's like, go for the money, right? And you know, you know, you want to work with less people, then you know more rather than working with more people and but i understand both sides and if you can build a profitable business with your customer who may not be able to afford like the high ticket but they're going to be loyal and easier to work with that may be okay to service that customer it is good that you say that because i think every business is at different levels and you know different things will work for different businesses and there's not a one size fit all 
So if that's working for your business and those customers are loyal and coming to you, then maybe find a way to get more of them or what would you you suggest for scaling and maybe um, increasing your income when you have clients who maybe are limited with their resources and things like that? So you don't have like that luxury client who can afford the high ticket, but maybe they can afford your $97, whatever item that you're offering. Um, some the some may question, well, how do you scale? How do you grow from there? What would you say to that? And it's exactly that. You really got to look at businesses individually. And, you know, I'm giving you guys and your listeners tips on how to kind of think through your brand by yourself. But one of the benefits actually to work with an outside company is exactly that. You are too in. You know, it's good to be somebody who is out, especially because marketing is uh, something that, you know, happens from the outside. And, 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 And let me give you this very, very key piece of information. Brand is not your website. It's not your logo. It's not even your messaging. It's kind of everything all together. But brand really is a perception. And it's a perception of that person that's looking at it, they're looking at your website, they're looking at your material, and they are formulating thoughts and feelings about what they see. And they're registering inside how that makes them feel. Do they make them feel good? Do they, do they, are they confused? Or they don't know, they don't know what they're looking at, or they do know what they're looking at, they're intrigued. They are thinking that this looks like a really professional company. It's really happening in the mind of that viewer. Okay, that's where brand lives. And when you have that perspective, whenever you're doing something to build your brand uh, internally, you have to step in the shoes of your customer. Now, hear me out. You may, may be an expert in technology, okay? And you know all these lingos and then you're writing your brand messaging and you feel very proud of all these technical words that you're using. But your audience is a mom and they don't know anything about those technical uh, things. And, and you know, I, I, if I came in as an outside perspective on your brand, I would continually push you. We got to translate all this technical stuff into mom language. Okay. You know, for example, instead of saying like, you know, uh, or, or um, I don't know, this machine can, you know, like, uh, have 900 buttons and seven sound alarm systems or whatever, whatever. Hey everyone, it's Brandy. I hope you're enjoying this podcast as much as I absolutely enjoy bringing this awesome content to you. Look, beauty professionals, this show is for you. And I want to make sure we can continue to bring our awesome guests and awesome information to help empower the beauty community all over the world. You can help by doing your part in making a small donation. You can check our link in the show notes and donate right on Anchor, or we'll have another link available for you to do so. Thank you so much for supporting. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you're sharing it as well. As always, stay great. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, we uh, empower moms to have visibility in their kids' 
um, technology usage or something like that. You know what I mean? That's something that I can relate to versus the buttons, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you just look at Apple when they came out with the iPod, you know, you know what that, if why that ad was so freaking successful? Because they said nothing about the features of that product, the technology features of that product, but they said it's a thousand songs in your pockets at the time of which we are fiddling with CDs and then trying to like switch CDs in our cars and whenever we are listening to it, a thousand songs in my pocket? Yeah, I want that. So, you know, putting really, you know, the understanding on that ideal customer and what they value. They don't value your expert knowledge of gigabytes or technology or buttons or whatever it is they value what the outcome, right? Of what it actually, how it actually makes a difference in their lives. You know, and I know you have a lot of beauty customers, you know, what is it? Is it confidence? You know, is it, is it, is it, um, uh, you know, enhancing your natural beauty or, or, or not enhancing it, but bringing out the, the features that God gave you, whatever it is. And maybe it's, maybe it's non-toxic. Or maybe it's what, you know, whatever have you, but, but really stepping in the shoes of that audience and, and knowing, you know, you cannot have the audience of women. That's too broad. Even you cannot even have the audience of moms. That's too broad. That's a target. But who is the bullseye? That's the question, right? The bullseye is, you know, a 35 to 45, you know, person who actually wears glasses i'm just making stuff up you know what i mean like Uh then you can like have like okay so where do i go i can go and partner with uh you know eye doctors and then put my stuff in in their shot i'm just saying you know think about who you're after and very specifically who is the bullseye yeah thanks for sharing that orshi i think that is very key And sometimes I think uh, you hear marketers say that all the time, like your ideal client, your ideal client. And sometimes in a beauty industry, I feel like they can get like, well, I could do anybody's hair, but no, everybody isn't your client. And and you don't want to work with everybody. Everybody isn't going to want to work with you. So who is that ideal client? And really not being afraid to say, okay, I work with women who live in this area, who income range is this, they're interested in this music, and they're between the ages of 35 and 45, and they like to shop at Macy's, you know what I'm saying? So just like really breaking it down. And I think sometimes people are afraid to do that because they think that that limits them. But what I found is, is that actually it increased my inquiries because I was targeting the right person. Mm -hmm. I was targeting the person who who needed what I had to offer and I was getting more inquiries as for when I was just saying I could do beauty services for everybody who had skin (laughs) you know it wasn't sticking but when I really got laser focused on a particular woman that was when things began to shift so thanks for sharing that for sure yeah and you know as a person myself who doesn't really wear makeup you know I could be an ideal customer for some beauty products for sure you know, even though I don't wear makeup, because there's probably a reason why I don't wear makeup. It's like just something that I don't value putting my time to, you know what I mean? I'm kind of comfortable with my own skin, but I'm still 
you know, every single person here cares about themselves to a level of like they want, you know, if you have something that's super easy, you know, like I would do this and then, you know, I'd look great. I, I would, that would be very, very interested or, you know, just maybe a lotion that makes me go or whatever it is, you know, brings out some, something. And you know, again, you can really go away from women and just get laser focused, like you said, you know, and I think it's going to, to help. And again, you know, when you said, I think it's good to be niche, you know, on, on some level, right. But the niche might not be the difficult customer. The niche might be the easy customer. <laughs> it's going to be like, <laughs> man, you know, I would just love to work with, you know, it's, it's a less, a less, less revenue, but more profit because it's so easy to, to please those, those type of customers versus somebody who is more difficult, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for that point of view. Cause I, um, I like, you know, getting different point of views because, you know, there's more than one way to market. There's more than one way to, uh, you know, to present your business. And I think it's great to hear that because sometimes you hear it one way in the industry, you think there's only one way to do things. And it, it doesn't have to be that way. You have to look at what's going to work for you and your business and your brand. So definitely thanks for sharing that. So another thing I want to talk about, like, are there any marketing trends you're seeing? Like, um, I know like the last two years have shifted some things. It seems to be more noise, you know, like everybody's online now. So can you share any trends or any things that you see going on in the industry for as marketing? Um, so I, I think trends are dangerous, you know, because if, you know, and, I, and here's, here's my tip for trends. And we've, we've just talked about this all, all, you know, all along. Don't do it if your ideal customers are not there. You know, you can, you know, if it's going to cost you $3,000 to like join a, a trend, but you're just going to do it because it's a trend and not because your ideal customer hangs there, then don't do it. It's, it's, it's a waste of your time and time is money and your money also, you know, it's, 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 it's just, you know, let's say you, um, you do a YouTube channel, but you know, your audience is the elderly. Why are you doing it? You know, it's, it's, you know, they, you, you know, your, your product serves, uh, you know, um, people with gray hair and really maybe it's, it's great that, that you do your YouTube channel because maybe in order to get to that audience, you need to get to their loved ones who care for them, you know, and then it makes sense to do a YouTube channel, but think about the path, you know, and how that trend will help you reach that group of customers that you want to walk in a business. And if it helps, then, then, you know, let's consider it. If it doesn't, that's not. And also, you know, when you build a brand and we talked about that, that, you know, um, uh, elevating, you know, the value to that audience in your messaging. Brand three used to be brands that deliver. Nobody wanted branding. They had a marketing problem. Now we are brand three, the right way to market. So I'm speaking to the need of my audience, which is to fix their marketing. You know, they want to, you know, right way to market is intriguing because, you know, you're feeling the pain of your marketing not working a lot of times before you come in my door, right? 
But the way I'm going to fix it is by fixing your brand first. And then we can go and then talk about all those trends and tactics that will work specifically for your type of ideal customer, right? But the right way to market makes sense in my, in my world now. And I'm actually, I've seen a tremendous growth when I gave up speaking and engaging my audience through branding and embrace the idea that they want marketing, you know, and that's, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Now, the right way to market is really also a promise that I make to my customers. When you walk in, that's my brand's promise. You walk into my door and I'm going to teach you the right way to market, okay? And that is, you know, step one, create a strong brand foundation that engages an audience. Step two, go and grow at, you know, through very specific tactics, not all tactics, not all trends, specific tactics that will engage that audience and reach that audience, right? So that's, that's the right way to market in a nutshell, right? So what your listeners and your brand promise, you know, and I tell my customers all the time in the beginning that my promise to you is to teach you how to market the right way. So once you went through our process and we, we fixed the brand foundation and we put you out there and you feel like you have still no knowledge on how to do this right, the right way, I failed you, you know, and you can go ahead and give me a crappy review because I failed you. But if you feel like after you engaged brand three and now you understand how to market the right way, I'm expecting a five-star review because I met or exceeded your expectation with the promise I made to you as you walked in my door. So, you know, that's another huge piece of marketing that I think business owners fail to, uh, to, to look at, that it's not just brand, it's not just marketing, it's delivering an exceptional customer experience and keeping the promise that you make in those marketing materials, you know, mm -hmm. because that's why they come in like, oh, you're promising me from going to A to B, you better keep that promise. And then you collect those five-star reviews. So brand marketing and experience go hand in hand and that's what we do here at Brand3. We look at it not in silos, not in like, let's focus on Facebook and then forget everything else. It's really a plan that takes into consideration all three of those things and helps businesses grow like that. Because, you know, when you make a promise and you deliver, you guarantee you that customer had an exceptional experience, you know, you, they will do the marketing for you. And essentially your marketing budget can be cut because Billy will recommend and Bob will recommend and Susanna will recommend and they'll bring the customers to you and you don't even have to do anything except continue can, can, to continue serving your client base and excellence and they'll, the buzz will happen automatically. Yes, definitely. I think delivering on your promises and really focusing on that client experience can definitely help you to get referrals and retain clients and all of those things, which like you said, can save you on marketing dollars because referrals do work, but, but it, it, I don't think it could be your only, your end all be all. But I think if you get a lot of referrals, you may not have to market as much or invest in marketing as much as some that don't get a lot of referrals and things like that. Exactly. Sure. And you can teach your customers on your ideal customer. You know, for example, you can go to Susanna and say, Susanna, you are such a great customer. 
at this business. And, you know, I'm just wondering, do you know any, any, do you have any friends like you? Do you have, do you know anybody else who's just like you, you know, and then just show them in very few bullet points, you can explain who your ideal customer is, you know, it's a business who has this, this and this and this, or it's an individual who is this and this and this and this, you know, ask, so help direct the referral even, you know what I mean? Don't just leave it to chances, A, ask for it and ask specifically for what you want. I want more like you, or I want this, or, you know, asking your network about that, you know, don't just send me a bunch of referrals because there could be a bunch of unqualified leads in there, you know, send me these type of people, you know, so being very intentional with your brand and how it's aligned and how it's, uh, you know, resonating, not just externally, but internally, because as businesses grow, you need to take that brand and brand promise and build a culture, a team inside who is wired to deliver that. And they know your ideal customer, you know what I mean? And they know how to serve the ideal customer and they know how to ask for referrals from, for you because, you know, eventually, you know, consultants can become a small business and small business can become a, a mid-sized business, et cetera, et cetera. But it requires, you know, and again, it starts with brand that you have employees who rally around that brand and they are together working as a team to deliver and ensure that they deliver that promise, right? Or exceed expectations. And you have a brand that for to the outside, to those prospects who are not customers yet, reflects what's in the inside in a very specific way, translating what's inside to their needs. So when they walk in, they can learn about all the process, whatever, but when they look at it first, it's very simple, very clear, and it's intriguing to them. So they can pick up the phone, fill out that form, attend the webinar, come to the meeting, buy the product, you know, order the trial sample, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? That's the job of a brand. It's, it's internal and external. And that's how it works. It's not just marketing. It's experience, it's brand, it's all together. I love that. I love the way you broke that down as well. And uh, and I think, you know, that can really help our audience really rethink about the whole picture, the whole experience from like how, you know, and even, even asking, I, I, I always say, yeah, ask your clients for referrals, but be very <laughs> intentional about what you want. Like, I want people like you. <laughs> and, and I love that. And really leading that experience from the referral to what do you think about even, I even say the way you position yourself on social and all of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I should see that it's a great client experience, even from your social media. I think that's what you should be sharing. Sometimes people get stuck in just sharing their work because I work with a lot of beauty professionals. So say if they sell beauty products or they or they are a beauty professional, then they're only showing the products or they're only showing the work instead of showing the client what they can expect to experience through the products yeah. and through the work. Very, very powerful. You know, what you just said, we call it tapping into the voice of the customer you know, so do have the reviews, but then highlight reviews, put it on Canva, put it on a, your branded background and highlight a review or record a video testimonial, you know, 
oh, working with Brandy is, you know, I just changed my life, blah, blah, blah. Me saying that in a five second video on social will do way more than, you know, you putting the bottle in front of me, you know, like 500 mm -hmm. times, just because then I'm starting to see the transformation, you know, starting to, you know, I could tell you all day how Orshi Herbine is an amazing person, you know, but if your friend says it, you know, then he'll call me. <laughs> You know, uh, you know, it's, 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 we don't go out there like, oh, we're amazing. That's what a lot of brands do. We are great. We are great. But if your customers say it, that's a lot more effective than you, you say, you know what I mean? And that's just th that very example. Like, you know, you ask your best friend, like, Hey, you know what I need? I need an HVAC company. Who did you use? Oh man, I had a really great experience with XYZ, whatever, you know, you're going to call those people because your best friend said so, you know? So, you know, the same, same way, the, the power of the voice of the customer, you know, is, 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 is incredible, especially in this market where consumers are educated and they dig, you know, you intrigue me. I might not call right away. I'm just going to check you out. I'm going to check your Google reviews. Oh, two-star reviews. Nah, I'm not going to call five-star reviews. Let me see what they said. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. You know? It's so important. And, you know, delivering that customer experience is really important because within a split second, somebody can give you a one-star review and ruin your reputation or try to ruin your reputation. You know, it is very, it's very real, you know, and a lot of companies invest a lot of money in marketing and not a lot in the experience, you know, and mm. I say you got to invest in both because you don't want to make this grandiose promise and then deliver a crappy experience and then you get bad reviews and then you just have this high influx of like people coming in through a great marketing effort but then they leave they leave crappy reviews and they destroy your business you know what i mean so it's very very important to make sure that you um deliver the promise that you made and you know what sometimes it pays off to lessen the promise you know don't make a grandiose promise. Just make a basic promise that you can definitely meet and then exceed. Because, you know, if you say, I'm going to give you, uh, you know, um, the red coat. Okay. That's my promise to you. And I get the red coat and like, yep, Brandy said, she's going to give me the red coat and I got the red coat. Right. But inside the pocket, there was, you know, $20. Right. So I got red coat and $20. And, you know, Hey, I found $20 in the pocket of the red coat. Yeah, yeah, we do that for every customer to get the red coat, you know, or whatever it is. I'm just, you know, this is a stupid mm -hmm. story. But like, wow, not only did I get the red coat, but I got $20, you know what I mean? It's like, and this is a really dumb story, but you can kind of relate to like how, you know, you send a trial package, but maybe there's something else in there, like a 10% of coupon or a whatever, you know, or a, um, you know, just some ways that you are thinking about the customer. Maybe your customer is, you know, conscious about the environment because you know that they are that kind of generation or industry that, you know, it matters to them. And then you help them recycle their old stuff, send it back to you. And then your, your program, you know, it's a prepackaged mail, something where they send something back, bottles or, I don't know. I'm just saying, I, I guess there's so many ways to- I do promise to over deliver, right? Yeah, and and- and, uh, you know, sometimes it's so easy to make a difference. Let me tell you an example. We uh, were rebranding a pool company 
And we did a customer journey exercise when we, where we you know, walk them through, the ideal customer walks in, starts the process of rehauling their entire backyard into an outdoor paradise, right? What happens? First, they come to the showroom, they're very excited, they see the renderings, they pick out materials, whatever. And then the workers show up in the backyard and make a hot mess, okay? You know what comes over to that customer? Oh my God, my backyard is a mess. It's mud everywhere. It's like noise. It's crazy. What we discovered is that putting up a giant sign of the rendering that they signed off on right by their back patio window when they're looking up, seeing coming soon, gorgeous pool, like, you know, pardon our mess or whatever, gorgeous pool. They see the noise, but then they right away see where we're going made a huge difference. And um, what is that? A $50 product that the, the, you know, to implement and make a huge difference to keep that experience elevated and not send them down in a frantic worry of mud and whatever, but just remind them on where we're going. So easy to implement, made a huge difference and customers were raving about it. You know, yeah, they tore up my backyard, wow. but the rendering was right there. So what can you do that's very simple extremely cost effective or maybe doesn't even cost anything to exceed that expectation because you know that your ideal customer gets worried or something matters to them or in some small ways you can kind of enhance the experience again sometimes it's super easy to implement but it will go a long way yes or she i love that thanks so much for sharing i think that is some great tips and sometimes uh as service providers we forget that but it's the small things it doesn't take much and sometimes it could just be that little thing like I will share this with you when I did lash extensions I would always give them a sample of my shampoo to clean it with instructions on how to care for them on the back of my referral card and in a little satin bag, you know, like those little bags you get with weddings, parties and stuff. I would put like a mint in there or maybe a lip balm and a nice little thank you. And it would go a long way. People would love that because they could clean their lashes. I would give them spoolies to take care of them and also instructions and a couple little trinkets for them. And people will always get excited because they love to get their little gift <laughs> from me. And, uh, and so I had people leave that in the reviews. Like she gave me this awesome gift. <laughs> You know, and that's interesting. Some of the things that people will remember. So I really appreciate you sharing that because not even thinking like sometimes people don't see the full vision back to the pool thing. So when it when when you when they're back there in the backyard and they're digging everything up, you you don't see that it's gonna be this beautiful, you know, finished product. You just see like it's a mess. So just putting up a sign and say pardon the mess, but you know, it's coming kind of reconfers the client. And that's interesting how just that little thing really shifted how the client saw the whole process. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I love your example too. And, you know, it, it, like, like we said in the beginning, a product um, is very different from a service. A service that's a quick service, like, you know, you doing lashes is very different from building pools where it takes a couple of months, you know, or building a brand for me. It, you know, the relationship where, you know, we're seeking customers that will kind of stick with us a while, for a while before they go and farewell goodbye. You know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, it's, 
it's just all depends. So there's relational businesses, there's transactional businesses. And, you know, back to the trends question, trends are very different for both. And you got to consider the trend and consider your ideal customer and consider your business before you go and spend money on something that might not be necessary at all. It's not going to yield anything for you, you know. Well, great tips, Orishi. Tell everybody how they can connect with you and get some more of these awesome tips that you've been giving us today. Okay, so uh, our company is brand3.net, uh, brand3, um, and I can be found on LinkedIn. And I am hoping you'll put my maybe LinkedIn uh, link. I know I have a difficult name, so, you know, just... <laughs> Yes, everything she heard by everything will be in the show notes. I'll include all your links there. Do you have any last tips or anything you want to share with everybody before we go today? Mm. Well, let me just add to that that contact thing. If you go on brandtree.net, there is a schedule a, a call button that goes directly into my calendar. So you know your listeners can reach me like that. Uh, and in terms of uh, last minute tips. You know, if you if you wanted to do anything uh, just to consider your brand, one thing that you could um, just look for consistency, print out the homepage of your website, you know, take a screenshot, print it out, print out some of your marketing materials, you know, your social media banners and stuff like that, and then just put it on a table. Look, look at look at your visuals and see if there is consistency of message and image and clarity of message and image uh, across the board. You know, uh, sometimes even logos showing up differently on a social media than and something else. You know, know that if it's all over the place and not consistent, there's too much text, different messages, different colors, different fonts, different logo files. Here it's pink, here it's blue, here it's, it's all over the place. Know that the perception is that they probably don't trust this brand and see if very quickly you could make some uh, some changes to to come across in a consistent manner and really speak to the value to the needs and values of your audience you know that's that's a, a quick diy we call this a brand map when you put everything on a page and uh you know you can even kind of save what you had and then make some adjustments to it and then put it out and just see the before and after. You can see on brand3.net on our homepage, some before and afters on what our customers used to look like and what the transformation looked like afterwards. If brand is a perception, which I'm telling you in my mind as a branding expert, expert, expert there's nothing better that defines a brand than it's a perception. Then how do you perceive what you used to be and how do you perceive where you went? That's how you're going to see, you know, what a prospect will see when they look and what's that outside in perspective and not the inside out perspective that you have on the day to day, you know, so that's a that's a quick tip that, you know, can be utilized. Thank you so much. Or she heard by everybody. I'll have all of her information in the show notes. As always, stay great. And we are out. Bye. Business Beauty Network is now on YouTube. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel at Biz Beauty Network. We plan to bring some awesome content along with bonus episodes and our weekly podcast episodes to the Biz Beauty Network YouTube channel. We hope to see you there. 
Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. Make sure you subscribe. Check us out on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I want to hear from you. Email me at info at businessbeautynetwork.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at I am Brandy Taylor and Facebook at I am Brandy Taylor. I want to connect with you, so let's stay connected. And remember that all things are possible if you only believe. Stay great.